The Bradford Exchange presents The Classic Radio Theater with your host, Carl Amari. Countdown for blast off. X minus one. Yes, it's Maxwell House Coffee Time, starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. Richard Diamond, private detective. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Suspense. It's time once again for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Dragnet. We offer you escape. Kraft presents the Great Gildersleeve. Yeah. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. The Jack Benny Program. Welcome, everyone, to episode 17 of the Classic Radio Theater. Each week, the Bradford Exchange and participating sponsors bring you three hours of the Classic Radio Theater, featuring programming from the golden age of radio. This time, we'll hear two half-hour comedy quiz episodes of You Bet Your Life, starring Groucho Marx. We'll begin after this short break. Created by John Goodell, You Bet Your Life was one of the best-loved quiz shows to air both on radio and television. It was hosted by Groucho Marx of the Marx Brothers, with announcer and assistant George Fenneman. It debuted on radio in 1947 and lasted until 1960. For much of this time, it was also seen on television. Contestant teams usually consisted of one male and one female, mostly selected from the studio audience. Groucho would engage in humorous conversations with the contestants, and if they said the secret word, a common word revealed to the audience at the outset of each episode, a toy duck resembling Groucho with eyeglasses and a mustache descended from the ceiling to bring a $100 prize. After the conversations, the actual game began. Contestants were allowed to choose from a list of 20 available categories and try to answer a series of questions within the category to win additional money. At the end of the show, the contestants would play for a jackpot question, risking half of their previous earnings in the hope of winning the jackpot. It's time now for the first of two comedy quiz episodes of You Bet Your Life. In this first one, the secret word is face. Let's play You Bet Your Life. Ladies and gentlemen, the secret word is face. F-A-C-E. Really? You bet your life. It's Groucho Marx in You Bet Your Life, the comedy quiz series produced and transcribed from Hollywood and brought to you by the DeSoto Plymouth Dealers of America who invite you to see and drive the most exciting car in the world today. DeSoto for 1957. The most exciting car today is now delighting the far highway. It's the lovely, it's dynamic, it's DeSoto. Exciting style to please the eye, exciting power to pass them by. It's the lovely, it's dynamic, it's DeSoto. And here he is, the one, the only... Well, here I am again with a chance for each of our couples to win uh, as much as $10,000. All right, George, who's first for DeSoto? Groucho, Mrs. Uh, Marie Haven and Mr. Ray Moyer are waiting to talk to you. So, folks, you can please and meet Groucho Marx. 
Welcome to You Bet Your Life. Say the secret word and you each get an extra $50. It's a common word, something you see every day. Marie Haven and uh, Ray Moyer. Well, you're a nice-looking couple. Um, Marie, are you the new Haven or the old Haven? Since 1943, you're, I've been married. Oh, well, congratulations. Then Thank you're you. about medium Haven, huh? Yeah. Now, what did you say your name was? Uh, Ray Moyer, Gautier. Roy Mayer. I used to know a fellow named Roy Mayer. How long have you been Roy Mayer? Well, uh, Groucho, it's Ray Moyer, and I've been... Uh... Well, if you want to be shifty and change your name, it's all right with me. <laughs> How old are you, uh, Ray? Well, this week I can uh, say that I'm 58. Mm -hmm. What could you say next week? 59. Next week you'll be 50? You get a year older every week? Just <laughs> happens this next week. Oh. Are you married? Yes, Groucho, I'm married. How long have you been married? Uh, Ten months. Ten months, you rascal, you. That's probably why you changed your name, huh? Where did you meet your wife, Roy? Uh, I met my wife in Egypt. You met her in Egypt? What were you doing there? Were you scuttling ships in the Suez Canal? Uh, no, I was uh, working uh, on a movie, American oh, movie. Is that so? I was working on the making of the Ten Commandments. Oh. Uh, I, was the I saw that picture. I don't remember you in it. All I remember is that girl in the crib sucking her thumb. <laughs> <laughs> what part did you play, Roy? Were you the Sphinx? No, I wasn't an actor, Groucho. I was the set decorator on the picture, but in Egypt I had an additional job of seeing all the properties either purchased or manufactured. Oh. And in two months' time, I saw 150,000 items assembled. In was, was all the picture made in Egypt? No, only, uh, we only shot in Egypt what was necessary to oh. shoot in Egypt. Oh. Well, if you want some things to shoot in Egypt, I've got a couple of suggestions. <laughs> now, Marie, where are you from? St. Louis, Missouri. St. Louis, Mo, huh? Mm -hmm. What sort of work does your husband do? A move man. You, he's a move man? Mm-hmm. Is that anything like a moving man? Absolutely. Oh, well, which moving man is he? Is he the big husky fella that carries the lamp, or is he the little skinny guy who carries the piano? He's a husky one. He is, huh? Mm -hmm. How much does he weigh? Oh, I think about 156, somewhere like that. <laughs> I didn't pin him down to it. Well, if he only weighs 156, he must be in pretty good shape. Is he unusually strong? He's strong, all right, but yet he's weak, too. Well, all men are. <laughs> Well, in what way is he weak? You mean morally? His back is running out on him. His back is running out? <laughs> well, where is it running? I mean, do you have any idea? <laughs> well, he's got some vertebrae that are not working like they should. Oh. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> Isn't that a handicap in the moving business, to have uh, some weak vertebrae? Oh, well, I help him. You help him? What, sure, what do you every mean? night. Every night you yeah. help him? Well, that's a good wife. What do you do for him every night? Press the vertebrae. <laughs> what do you mean? He lies down on a... He lies in the bed and on his stomach and you I... you press it with a hot iron? Or... No, with my hand. I feel him out and then I go whack. Feel him out, you Every know. night you whack his vertebrae? <laughs> Isn't that a lovely title for a love song? <laughs> Every night I whack his vertebrae. 
Well, how many vertebrae does he have? Well, he's got about two and a half, maybe three working, right? He's got 12, hasn't he? Is that right? Well, I never count him. I just whack him. <laughs> Why don't you give him a vacation some night and just count him and don't whack him? Huh? I couldn't feel him that good. No. Well, you're nice people, and I've enjoyed talking to you, and I hope you're all set to clean us out in the quiz. You both know how we play this game, you bet your life? Oh, yes. You selected a movie quiz by Mr. Moya. I'm going to ask you some questions. If you miss two in a row, you're out. If you get four in a row right, you win $1,000. All right? Nanette Fabre appeared as a child actress in what series of pictures? Was it our gang comedy? That's right. You got one uh -oh. right. Only one supporting actor has ever won the Academy Award three times. Who is this fine actor? Mm -hmm. You're not referring to that big giant deal, are you? I don't miss that one. Well, you'll know when you hear it. It's Walter Brennan. Well, you have one wrong now. Don't get the next one wrong or you're out of the game. All right. Gary Cooper and Ingrid Bergman starred in Hemingway's story of the Spanish Civil War. What was the name of it? For Whom the Bell Tolls. For Whom the Bell Tolls is right. Well, you're back on the track again with one right. What is Edith Head's job in the movies? Costume designer, Paramount Studio. Aren't you ashamed to answer that? I'm really ashamed of that one, Godfrey. Two right now, two more right, and $1,000 is yours. Kirk Douglas stars in Lust for Life. What artist's life is the movie based on? The Life of Van Gogh. That's right. Three right now, one more right, and it's yours. Tolstoy's novel, War and Peace, has been made into a movie. Who directed it? It was directed by King Vidor. Yes, one of the great ones. That's right. You've won... Uh, $1,000 with four in a row correct. Now... <laughs> you've won $1,000. Now, you can keep it and quit, or you can come back later at the end of the show and try to double your money, and you may even get a crack at 10000 No matter what you decide to do, thanks for being on the show. Thank you. George, who's next for DeSoto? They're Catherine Brousset and Carl Terzian. So, folks, you come in, please, and meet Groucho Marx. Welcome to your Bet Your Life. Say the secret word and you divide $100. It's a common word, something you always have with you. <laughs> Catherine Brustekel and Carl Terzian, huh? <laughs> Carl, make yourself at home while I get acquainted with your partner. <laughs> Catherine Brousset, is that the way you pronounce it? Brousset, yes. Brousset. Uh, where are you from, Katharina? Oh, I am from Paris, but I have lived in many other places before. Have you got a husband, Catherine? <laughs> no. You have no husband? No, I'm Well, that's the friendliest gesture France has made since they sent Lafayette over here. <laughs> I'll get back to you, Fifi. Just turn off your motor and park there for a minute. Huh? <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> Now, your name is Catherine Brousset? No, Carl Terzian. Oh, Carl Terzian. That's right. What kind of a name is Terzian? Is that uh, Terzian of the Apes? Or? No, no. It's Tarzan. Oh, it's Tarzan. Uh, Terzian is an uh, Armenian name. The I-A-N is, is usually Armenian and uh, means son of. Terzian is son of a tailor. You're son of a tailor. Is your father a tailor? Yes, as a matter of fact, yeah. Well, that's very fitting. <laughs> <laughs> Now, where are you from, uh, Carl? Uh, right here in Hollywood. Hmm. Went to Hollywood High and born and raised here. Hmm. Have you got a job? 
I'm a major uh, in college in political science at uh, University of Southern California. Um, what are you? Is that a senior? That's right, senior. Why are you studying political science? Well, my eventual hope is uh, to go into politics. I think it's a real challenge and a chance to work with people. That's a worthy ambition. Thank you. Well, how do you know you'd like politics? Have you had any experience? Yes, uh, ever since I was a wee lad, I was in it, and uh, it's about 10 years now since I first started right now. What do now, you mean by a wee lad? What's a wee lad? Perhaps about junior high age. Uh -huh. And uh, Her size? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> Actually, at the present time, I'm uh, student body president at USC, so I've been pretty active. Suppose she was sitting in the front row and you were about to make a speech. Would that distract you any... Uh... I hope. <laughs> well, I'd have to be speaking about something pretty important not to be. Well, what do you know that's more important? <laughs> Nothing yet. You better get that into your head pretty soon. <laughs> it's there. It's there. <laughs> it is there. Yeah. So you're the president of the student body at, at SC? That's right. Well, congratulations. You. You're a very important fellow. Uh -huh. How about that? Well, when do you get time to study? Don't you have trouble with your grades? Well, to keep a scholarship, I try for about uh, an A-minus average. If I'm lucky, I hit it. Don't you have a Phi Beta Kappa key, if you're that smart? Well, I seldom wear one. Oh, are you ashamed of it, then? Mm, no, I'm proud of it, but I just assume keep it at home. I see. You imagine that people might vote against you if they <laughs> saw this key on you? No, I think... Uh, Academic attainment is something that a person can take pride in himself and doesn't have to broadcast it to the world. You. This fellow will be president when he's 28. <laughs> well, you're quite a man, and we can Thank use you. bright young fellows like you in politics. How old are you, Carl? 21. 21, huh? And you're still in college, huh? Yes, senior. When I was 21, I was wanted in four different states. In fact, I was wanted in every state but my own. In that state, nobody wanted me. Are you married, Carl? No. Have you given this much thought? I've thought about it. I don't mean in the last couple of minutes. Oh, before that. Wouldn't you like to cement Anglo-French uh, relations? Uh? <laughs> What kind of a girl would you like to marry? Well, I like a girl who's very compatible and uh, understanding, would like a family. Listen, they're all compatible before you get married. <laughs> After two. <laughs> well, uh, Catherine, we don't know too much about you, so let's it's do a little... It's your fault, let's, Grazie. Let's... <laughs> I expect a remedy this right now. <laughs> How old are you, babe? How's that for a flying star? <laughs> how old are you, Kat? You know, in, in France, the gentleman don't ask a lady how old she is. Well, let's get two things straight, uh, Catherine. First, we're not in France, and second, I'm no gentleman. <laughs> and if you want to, you can put the second one first. Huh? <laughs> However, if you don't care to reveal your age, it's all right oh, with me. I don't mind. I'm 25. 25. Well, mm -hmm. if I were 25, I wouldn't mind either. <laughs> How long have you been in this country? Have you been here long enough to meet any American men? What a ridiculous question. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, since I'm here, I, I find American men very, very distrustful. And, and they always think that there is an angle to everything. 
Well, any man that can find angles on you should have his eyes examined. <laughs> and that's the well-rounded truth. <laughs> Are you, would you uh, think that you're too old for uh, this gent over here, Carl? He's too busy studying, I suppose. <laughs> unfortunately, busy, unfortunately. He says he's not that busy here, Catherine. <laughs> well, what are your plans for the future, uh, Catherine, as far as men are concerned? I imagine that's what you're interested in. All women are. Well, I plan to marry. You're going to get married, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, we, uh, if you're interested in a student body president, we might be able to wrap this thing up right now. You know? <laughs> Where do you like to go on dates? Oh, I like to eat in the nice places like uh, Chasen's, Romanoff's, dance at the Macumba, you know. Well, there goes the student body president. <laughs> Carl, back to Barney's Beanery. Oh, I have never been there. I You've would like to go there. You'd like to go to Barney's Beanery? Yes. Carl, it looks like you're hooked, huh? <laughs> well, what kind of luck have you had in locating a victim who has a diner's club card? <laughs> you're after. Nothing happens very much, Groucho. I, I can't find somebody that can make me tingle. And it's very important for me to tingle. <laughs> Could you make her tingle, Carl? <laughs> I, I never tried. Well, what do you mean by a tingle? You mean like tingle, tingle, little star? Huh? Oh, no, no, no. You know. I no, know I you don't know. know. No. <laughs> oh, Groucho, you know. I used to know, but I don't know. <laughs> I would say offhand that I haven't tingled since William Jennings Bryan was wrong. <laughs> I don't believe you. Well, you're only a kid yet, Catherine. You're 25. I predict you'll be married before you're 26. I hope so. Even if it takes 10 years. Huh? <laughs> What kind of a man are you looking for? Anything special? For me, yes. But but uh, he doesn't have to necessarily be rich. He doesn't have to be tall. Only we have to love each other. That is most important, Groucho. Is that what you mean by tingling? Yes, yes. Don't you think anyone in America tingles? I, I, I don't know. I don't think too many, really, really. But Americans are wonderful people. They have so many wonderful qualities, much better than, than our country. But Groucho, on the romantic side, something is missing, honestly. It isn't that. The taxes are so high that we... <laughs> we, we can't afford a tango. <laughs> it's only a question of... <laughs> At least they can try. Well, wait till after April 15th. I think you'll do that. <laughs> Well, you're not getting discouraged, are you? Do you think you will eventually uh, hook somebody? Mm -hmm. This is a kind of an American colloquialism when I say hook somebody. I think so. But Don't this... you think Carl is cute? Oh, terribly. Terribly cute. But... Look at him with those big blue eyes of yours. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure he'll be a wonderful American man one day. I mean... Uh... <laughs> what do you mean, one day? You mean like tomorrow? I mean, I mean in, in, in the big things he wants to do later on in life. 
That's what I mean. Really. Is there a great is there a great deal of tingling at USC? Uh, there is now. There is. <laughs> I don't mean it. I don't mean it. Well, you make a charming, exciting, and romantic couple, and if you take my advice, you'll get engaged right after the show. <laughs> and Carl, if you plan on taking her to Ciro's and Romanov's, you better hope you win that ten thousand dollars. <laughs> we hope so you'll too. You'll need that much for a steak sandwich. <laughs> All right, you selected facts about presidents. I'm going to ask you some questions. If you miss two in a row, you're through. If you get four in a row right, you win a thousand dollars. Don't answer before you discuss it with each other. You understand that, Carl? Yes, sure. All right, which of our presidents was married to Martha Dandridge Custis? George Washington. George at a wash is a right. <laughs> you have one right, three more to go, and you'll have a thousand dollars. All right, who was president during the Spanish-American War? McKinley. McKinley is right. You have two right now, two more right, and you'll have your thousand dollars. Good boy. <laughs> what president was sworn into office by his father? Come on, kids. Well, it was the uh, New England George Jessel, Calvin Coolidge. Oh, you should know that. Well, you don't have one wrong. Don't get the next one wrong or the game is over. How old must a man be in order to be eligible for the presidency? 35 years. He, he knew that because he's planning on this. <laughs> You're back on the right track. One right now. Three more to go for a thousand. What president was called the rail splitter? Abraham Lincoln. Honest Abe is right. What president? How much have they got? <laughs> uh, oh. Two right. Two, two right. more right is what you're aiming for. Yes. What president had a famous home called Monticello? Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson. How did you know that? Oh, my friend told me. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you know, Groucho? Right. And you and your friend have free right and one more right, and you'll have $1,000. Who was the first vice president to be later elected to the presidency? John Adams. John, oh boy, what a smart kid this guy is. Born on the right. You now have $1,000. Fenneman, a big kiss. Let's give Fenneman a big kiss. Now? Yeah, right. Mmm, and you too. See, I don't get any money on this show. Well, you've won $1,000. Now, you can keep it and quit. We're a pretty smeared-up-looking crowd here. Now, you look wonderful. Well, you can come back later and try to double your money. You may even get a chance at 10000 So go over there and sit on Catherine's lap, Nicole, and think it over. If we don't see you later, I'll meet you in Barney's Beanery. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much. Out of it. Now, in just one moment, we'll see if any of our couples will try for the big money. But first, here's Peggy Taylor. Exciting style to please the eye. Exciting power to pass them by. It's too lovely. It's dynamic. It's too sort of. 
There are many things about the new DeSoto that aren't included in the lyric of that song. For instance, it would be hard to work in the price of $2,732.25. Well, that may be too many words for a song lyric, but I think you'll agree that it isn't very much money for the luxurious new DeSoto. You can buy a big and beautiful DeSoto four-door sedan for only $2,732.25. Of course, state and local taxes, transportation and delivery charges are extra, and prices may vary according to individual dealer policy. But that's what we mean when we say DeSoto prices start just above the lowest. And if you're planning to buy any car, you can move up to DeSoto. And, well, when you figure what you get, torsion air ride, flight sweep styling, and all the other big DeSoto features, it's really the most exciting value in cars today. If you've driven the new DeSoto, you'll recognize how much of a value it is. And if you haven't driven it, stop by your DeSoto Plymouth dealers this afternoon. Drive and price a DeSoto before you decide. George, we're ready to see who wants to get a crack at all the big money. Will you bring out the first couple? Marie Haven and uh, Ray Moyer. Would you come out again, please? Now you've won $1,000 so far. Now you have a chance to win a lot more. Maybe even 10. 10,000. Or you can stop right here and keep your 1000 If you decide to try for the big money and fail, you wind up with a total of $500. Now what are you going to do? I'm going to take it with you. Now get together and pick a number from 1 to 10 and then spin the wheel. If any number besides the one you pick comes up, this question is worth $2,000. However, if your number comes up, this question is worth 10000 What number do you want? Six. Six? Give it a turn. more of these shots. (laughs) Your number was six and it came on five, so you're now going for $2,000. Is that right? Freedom of the press in America dates from 1735 when a Philadelphia printer was freed of charges of publishing seditious libel. For $2,000, who is the celebrated printer of American history? Benjamin Franklin. No. It's not Benjamin Franklin. It's John Peter Zenger. Z-E-N-G-E-R. I'm sorry, mister, but you wind up with $500, so that isn't so bad. Congratulations, and thanks for being with us. You to be sorry. All right, uh, bring in the next couple, then. <laughs> All right, Catherine Brousse and Carl Terzian. You come out, please. You two kids married yet? <laughs> no. Well, you've won $1,000 now. You have a chance to win a lot more, maybe even 10000 Or you can stop right here and keep your 1000 We'll take. We'll try for it. You're going to try for it, huh? You are going for the big money. Now get together and pick a number from 1 to 10 and then spend this wheel. Three. Three? Number three, huh? Give it a spin. (laughs) 
Now you can't come closer than that. Your number was three and it came on four, so this question is worth $2,000. The first American photographer of any consequence is best known today for his photographs of the Civil War. For $2,000, what is the name of this famous photographer? It's been in all the magazines. Stephen, is that his first or his last name? No, his name is Matthew B. Brady. Mm-hmm. Very famous. I'm sorry mm-hmm. you missed. You wind up with $500. Oh, it's not good. too bad. Congratulations and thanks for being with us. Thank you, Gratu. Sure to tune in again next week, same time, same station for Groucho Marx in You Bet Your Life. Don't miss the Chrysler Corporation's big TV show on another network. And don't forget Groucho's TV show, also brought to you by the DeSoto Plymouth Dealers of America, who invite you to visit your neighborhood showroom today to see and drive the most exciting car in the world today. DeSoto for 1957. And when you go in, tell them Groucho sent you. So long, folks, and remember... It's the lovely, it's dynamic, it's the Soto. Ladies and gentlemen, the nation's number one health problem is mental illness. Its number one solution is money enough to pay for prevention, treatment, research. Give now to your local mental health campaign or to mental health care of your local postmaster. You Bet Your Life, transcribed from Hollywood, is produced by John Goodell, directed by Robert Dwan and Bernie Smith, music by Jack Meekin. This is George Fenneman signing off for the DeSoto Plymouth Dealers of America. You Bet Your Life is heard by our armed forces throughout the world. You Bet Your Life, starring the one, the only, Groucho Marx from April 13, 1957. All of the classic radio shows we present on this series are direct from the master recordings. I have more than 100,000 original radio episodes under license from the owners and estates, and we make them available via digital download or on CD through our Classic Radio Club. By joining the Classic Radio Club, You'll receive 10 superior-sounding classic radio shows sent directly to you each month, along with detailed liner notes and photos of the stars. You'll receive your first 10 classic radio episodes for only $1, and you can cancel at any time. To learn more about the Classic Radio Club, log on to ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. I'll have another comedy quiz episode of You Bet Your Life after this short break.
Welcome back to the Classic Radio Theater. I'm your host, Carl Amari. This time, the secret word is Ruth. Here's Groucho Marx on You Bet Your Life. Ladies and gentlemen, the secret word is Ruth. R-O-O-F. Really? You bet your life. It's Groucho Marx in You Bet Your Life, the comedy quiz series produced and transcribed from Hollywood and brought to you by the DeSoto Plymouth Dealers of America, who invite you to see and drive the most exciting car in the world today, DeSoto for 1957. The most exciting car today is now delighting the far highway. It's the lovely, it's dynamic, it's DeSoto. Exciting style to please the eye, exciting power to pass them by. It's the lovely, it's dynamic, it's the soda. And here he is, the one, the only. Well, here I am again with a chance for each of our couples to win $2,000. And there's also a chance somebody might leave here with $10,000. George, who's first? Well, Groucho, remember last week uh, you uh, ran out of time just as we were having a very interesting conversation with Prince Monolulu and Mrs. Dudley. We asked them if they'd come back again this week and perhaps win some money and talk to you some more. So here they are, Prince Ras Monolulu and Miss Madeline Dudley. Would you come in, please? Well, glad you could both come back. Uh, Prince, you have no idea what a sensation you were. Now, let's see. Uh, you said you were a real prince from where? Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. I'm a falasher. I see. And Madeline, where did you say you were from? From Chicago, Illinois. Oh, well, that's quite a ways from where he comes from. Huh? As I remember, we ran out of time last week just when I was about to ask you how you met your husband, right? Yes, sir. Well, how did you meet Mr. Dudley? Well, I was a widow, and I was lonesome, and I wasn't having any luck with men, and we lived in this rooming house, and I heard this man crying, and I knocked on his door, and I said, Mister, are you sick? He says, Yes, I'm sick of women. I says, Good, I'm sick of men. And I went back to my room, and I got some tissue, and I came back, and we sat down, and we cried over together, and eventually, we got married. <laughs> Well, there you are. He was sick of women and you were sick of men, huh? So I thought we'd make a good combination. You'd make an ideal couple. Now I suppose you're sick of each other. Is that right? No, we're happily married. We've oh. been married eight years. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear your marriage is happy. Have you and your husband always been happy uh, every miserable moment of these eight years? <laughs> well, we've had a few tight squeezes, but nothing to cry about. Oh. Well, did you have tight squeezes while you were crying with your husband? <laughs> hey, I better go to Africa or I'd be a riot there. <laughs> no, Madeline. I refuse to answer. I don't blame you. Every marriage has some tight squeezes. Marriage is like a tube of toothpaste. You always hope something better will come out. <laughs> Voltaire. 
In other words, you and your husband are deliriously happy, is that right? Yes, he's a remarkable man, and I feel he deserves the Congressional Medal of Honor to stay married to me. <laughs> well, in what way are you more difficult to get along with than any other married woman? Well, first of all, I'm paradoxical, complex. Oh, I have a dual personality, and I'm a perfectionist. You're not only hard to live with, you're almost impossible to understand. <laughs> well, Prince, let's get back to you. Are you living in uh, Addis Ababa now? No, I'm living in Long Beach. Here, California, here I come. Long Beach? Long Beach. You certainly like those wild, remote places, don't you? Huh? Right, sir. Why did you leave Ethiopia? Well, I never leave it. I came here when there were wooden ship and iron men, when men were brave and, and women were gallant. Well, what were some of the jobs you held? Well, from being a sailor and in the sailing ship... And remember, the cops may be listening, so you be careful what you, you see, say. Well, you see, from the sailing ship, I, I went to Germany and become a Menschenfresser. Yeah. I was a wild man. Yeah. Then I went to a you place... You were a wild man? You had to be. A cannibal? I was broke. They put a ring in my nose and stripped me half naked and put white spots on it. I had to play a wild man to get a piece of bread and butter. And the kids run for the line. <laughs> Didn't they ever give you any Hasenpfeffer or Wienerschnitzel? No, nicht sie haben, nicht zu fressen. Sie haben kein Wienerschnitzel? Sauerkraut, Sauerkraut, Sauerkraut und Wurstel. Now, what else did you do besides then scaring went, the people in Germany? Then I went to Vienna and they put me in the painting school and I went to a place called Milan and Turin and I was, a, I was in the all-winter painting, you know, in the nude and semi-nude and all the children painting my feathers. The students? Yes, they paint me. You paint students? No, they paint me. They oh, paint me the for model. doing it. Oh, you're the model. You're the model. I was the victim of their intelligence. I see. <laughs> and then where did you flee after this? I went to Yugoslavia, and there I start singing. I couldn't sing a whistle, so I sang, John Brown's body lies a molding in the grave. This, this must have killed him in Yugoslavia. <laughs> and all the children sing, glory, glory, hallelujah. In Yugoslavia? In Yugoslavia, in Belgrade, and a place called Agram. But the worst thing I had was when I came to a place called Sweden. I became a lion tamer in my life. And when I went in the cage, they saturated me with something called asifesita. It smelled terrible. Yeah, but it when kept the, the lion away. Yeah. When he smelled me, he turned his tail, see? <laughs> One night, the lion attacked me. I tried to be brave, but my knee went bent it. And it was just saving my life jumping off the cage. So I've had a, a very good life. You know what? <laughs> well, it's been a kind of a sedentary existence. <laughs> Quiet, full of solitude. You know, after listening to you, for the first time in 10 years, my job seems almost legitimate. <laughs> now, are you still engaged in hoodwinking the public, Prince? Oh, no, I have an honest profession now, sir. Uh -huh. What is it? In England, you call a tough advisor. Tough in America, advisor. you call him a, a racetrack tout. <laughs> Here you cannot work, but in dear old England, Great Britain, I can work. I have a very big business. Well, what about, uh, have you been married? Oh, I married six wives, and as long as I got money, they stop. And I ain't got no money, they give me the soldier's farewell. Goodbye. You, you're not married, now. No, I'm looking now for another wife. I'm looking for a wife that don't drink and smoke. That one that like to travel a race course and go to all the great places and see the great things of life. I might find one. Well, I hope you do. What about I... me, baby? <laughs> well, she's called for. Oh, she's called for. In order to get her, you have to cry. Oh, no, I laugh. I'm a different man. I can see why he's got six wives. 
heavy right now. <laughs> well, we could go on talking for hours, but I'm sure you're both more interested in winning some money. So let's see if this education that you've uh, acquired in these round-the-world tours is of any help to you tonight. Now, you selected the biblical quiz. I'm going to ask you some questions. If you miss two in a row, you're out. If you get four in a row right, you win $1,000. And before you answer, talk it over with your partner. You ready? Yes, sir. What was the name of the princess whose dance cost John the Baptist his head? John the Baptist Salome. Salome or Salome is right. One right, three more right, and you'll have $1,000. Yes. Now, what key city of Palestine was conquered by Joshua? Joshua, the Jericho. Jericho. Jericho, and the Jericho. walls came tumbling down. the wall down. came tumbling yes, down. Yes, Joshua fit the battle of Jericho. <laughs> Jericho, Jericho. Oh, Joshua fit the battle of Jericho, and the walls Rock. came tumbling down. Yay! And you have two right. All right. Two more right, and you'll have your $1,000. What happened at Mount Ararat that made it famous? Uh, Moses went to make the Ten Commandments, oh, and the that, fire that, came that, up. That was... Well, what do you say? <laughs> now you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> well, what did you say? I, I, it flew the coop when the bell rang. <laughs> it's where Noah landed the ark. What country in the Bible was known as the land of bondage? The land of bondage. Talk it over now. Land of bondage. Egypt. Egypt. Egypt is right. It didn't flew the coop that time, did it? And you're back on the right track with one right. All right. Who is the man from Bethany who was raised from the dead? Lazarus. Lazarus is right. Two right. Now talk it over before you answer. He don't want to look in another woman's eyes. Look at him, Prince. Look at him. On Moses' death, who succeeded him as a leader of the Israelites? Aaron. Talk it over. His brother, you know. His brother, Aaron. I followed the woman once in my life. His brother, Aaron. When the Moses died. When no, Moses... I'm sorry. It's Joshua. Joshua. You see, you tell me Aaron. You see, you're wrong. <laughs> well, you're back to one wrong again. Don't get the next one wrong. All right. Who was the... Re- who was the reputed interpreter of the famous handwriting on the wall? Nebuchadnezzar. No, that was at the feast there. He said... Well, then, oh, right on the wall, take it, take it, halam, halam. Who interpreted the writing? Who interpreted it? You know, they said... One... They sent for, for one of the I'm leaders. A... Well, who do you think? <laughs> quick, quick. Joseph, she said Joseph. I well, she's wrong. It's Daniel. Daniel, there you are. You said Joseph. Oh, <laughs> We don't want you to go away broke, so I'm going to ask you one more question for $100. Now, no coaching, please. You ready? Yes. If Monday was named for the moon, which day of the week was named for the sun? For the sun, according to the ancient... Uh... No, no, according <laughs> to this. Sunday! Sunday. <laughs> Thanks for being with us. Sorry you didn't win more. You bet your life. You each got a hundred bucks. Now, here's automotive expert and dynamic engineer, J.J. Biberly. Not that one. 
This one. Young man, do you know what you're singing? Hmm? Me? Oh, sure. It's de lovely. It's dynamic. It's, um... Well, uh, go ahead. It's de Soto. Oh, I knew that. Then why didn't you sing it? Because I wasn't sure it is. Wasn't sure what is what? De Soto is. De lovely? No, I agree with that. It is a beauty. Then? It's the dynamic part I'm not sure of. You haven't tried DeSoto's new triple-range torque flight transmission, have you? No. Well, then try mine. Just push the button. Uh, Which one? The one marked D for drive. The number one and number two buttons are there in case you want to select a lower range. But when you push the drive button, your DeSoto goes through three power ranges automatically. Here we go. Boy, it sure takes off. When does it shift? It has shifted. You're driving in high gear. But I didn't feel it shift. Well, that's because there's a third power range in the 57 DeSoto Torque Flight. Makes operation so smooth, more economical, too, and more powerful. It's great, Bibbly. Will you join me in a duet? It's a pleasure. It's the lovely, it's dynamic, it's DeSoto. Try it yourself, folks. See the new DeSoto at your DeSoto Plymouth dealers. And when they show you the dotted line, sign on it. Groucho, uh, Mona Young and Dr. Paul Popano are waiting to talk to you. So, folks, you're going to please and meet Groucho Marx. Welcome to your Bet Your Life. Say the secret word and you'll divide an extra $100. It's a common word, something you have around the house. Dr. Papineau, huh? your name is very familiar, aren't you? A bartender in Beverly Hills? That's it. Uh, the last 27 years, I've been general director of the American Institute of Family Relations. Mm. Well, I agree 100%. All relations belong in an institution. How am I getting there? Yes, and uh, what is your racket, uh, specifically? Well, we help people to uh, straighten out their marital difficulties, or preferably educate them before they get into marriage so they keep out of trouble. Mm. In other words, you're one of those foolhardy fellows who take a husband and wife who are battling and make them patch it up. Is, yeah. is that it? Huh? I'm surprised you're still alive. <laughs> well, Doc, we have one of the most fascinating subjects in the world here, and I think it's time we talked about it. Don't you agree? Perfectly. Fine. Well, young lady, what are you doing after the show? <laughs> you're Mona Young, huh? Eh? Yes. And where are you from, Mona? Uh, I'm originally from Oslo, Norway. Well, Oslo in Norway? Have you ever well, been there? No, I haven't. Oh, it's beautiful. I've been in Oslo, but I've never been in Norway. <laughs> you Why did you leave there. Norway, Mona? Well, um, I was selected Miss Norway, so I came over here in 54, 55, pardon me, for the Miss Universe contest. You really were Miss Norway, huh? Yes, sir. That's quite an honor. Yeah. You know, I was miscellaneous one year at Santa Monica <laughs> Beach. <laughs> they threw me in the garbage dump. <laughs> Are you interested in any particular man, Mona? Yes, sir. Strike one. Are you My married? Husband, yeah. Strike two. <laughs> Are you happily married? Yes, sir. Strike three and I'm out. <laughs> How did you meet sure. your husband? Well, uh, that's a long story. One night when I was working... They're all at... long stories. <laughs> I was working at the Moulin Rouge at the time. You were working at the Moulin Rouge? Yes, there were 12 girls from the contest. We were oh. being introduced on the stage. How'd you meet your husband, Mona? That's what I really I'm coming to it. <laughs> um, I had... I'm date. going away from it. I had two dates one night, and then... Two dates? Yes. And my husband-to-be had also two dates, one with Miss Texas and one with, uh, with Miss Michigan. 
So he asked me for a date, and um, I said yes, and we took off. Oh. Were these girls present when he ducked them and took you out? No. Uh-uh. What happened sorry. on your first date with this uh, bounder? Well, um, like I said, no, nothing happened, actually. I took my, my girlfriend, Miss Sweden, along as a chaperone. No. <laughs> you took her as a chaperone? The last date I had, yeah. we didn't have a chaperone. <laughs> the girl I was with trusted me implicitly. <laughs> All she had with her was a revolver. <laughs> Well, the man you married must be a real Casanova, huh? He's real cute. He's six feet four, and um, he What's has blue his... eyes, and he's a Texan. What's his secret way with women, in addition to being from Texas? <laughs> I, well, I wouldn't know, hmm. except that... Uh... You say a Texan, he's a Texan. What has being a Texan got to do with it? I mean, how does a Texan differ from, uh, let's say, a fellow from Utah? Well, they're no different Idaho. from uh, any other Americans. They're just a little more stubborn. <laughs> well, if you're as rich as they are, you can afford to be stubborn. Well, let me get this whole thing straight. Your husband had dates with Miss Texas, Miss Michigan, and Miss Norway all on the same night, huh? Yeah. Well, that's the way with those Texans. They do everything big. <laughs> and better. When they... <laughs> when those Texans play Monopoly, they use real girls. <laughs> Now, Dr. Papineau, uh, let's find out some facts about you. Are you married? Yes, been married 37 years. I see. Uh, can you remember way back 37 years ago when you first met your wife? Vividly. Mm. Would you say it was love at first sight? No, there's no such thing as love at first sight. That's just a hallucination. If you <laughs> think you're in love at first sight, it's because somebody makes a deep impression on you, so you're really just in love with your own sensations or you're in love with yourself all the time. <laughs> This, this is how you reunite, reunite couples? That's the beginning of it. You know, this reminds me of a quotation from George Bernard Shaw that impressed me so deeply that I memorized it. Listen to this, Doc. You probably have heard it. He said, when two people are under the influence of the most violent, most insane, most delusive, and most transient of passions, they are required to swear they will remain in that excited, abnormal, and exhausting condition continuously until death do them part. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> now, what do you think of that, Doc? Uh, up to a point, I agree with it. Now, wh where did you depart from his uh, philosophy? About the second word. Oh. <laughs> well, Doc, what are some of the main causes for unhappy homes? Well, unwillingness to try to make the thing go, but the difficulties cluster in half a dozen different points. Uh, uh, without regard to the order of importance, their lack of any normal social and recreational life. And, of course, they just have to build up one and have a circle of good, wholesome friends. Then <clears throat> there's the problem of the in-laws, which is a very serious one. The really? In-laws break up more marriages in the first year after the wedding than any other one factor. That's pretty tough for us in-laws to think about. Mm. <laughs> then there's the problem, financial problem. Well, in what way do the in-laws break up the marriages? Uh, I don't understand. There's... By interfering, criticizing, and trying to run things uh, from the wrong, wrong side, according to the point of view of one partner or the usually other. usually the bride's mother that's responsible More for frequently this? nowadays, the man's mother. In the old days, it was the bride's mother, but there again, we've progressed. <laughs> <laughs> Doc, I'd like to see you in action. Let's analyze uh, Mona's marriage to this uh, wolf. Uh, aren't you an animal doctor? <laughs> well, I'm not a veterinarian, no. Well, uh, Mona, would you mind if, we, if he analyzed no, your marriage? Not at all. Go ahead. Oh, I'd have to have something specific to work on. Yeah, okay. Well, how's your marriage waking out, Mona? 
Oh, every marriage has its highs and its lows. I guess so. We well, got over the worst and we really got happy. over the whole thing. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Doc, go ahead. Well, she hasn't given me anything specific to work on yet. I Can't you have the details. specific? Pardon me. Well, um... I thought you were an expert, Doc. A real expert is a fellow <laughs> who creates problems where none exist. Well, that's just a fellow a long way from home. and I'm right here in Los Angeles. Well, I'm sorry you're so happy because this gives the doctor nothing to work on, isn't there? Anything at we, all oh, that you yeah, could complain certainly. about? I got huh? plenty of troubles. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I did have. Well, what are well, some of the difficulties you encountered when you first got married? Well, see, when I first got married, I felt sorry for all the milkmen, you know, that come from door to door. So <clears throat> I couldn't say no to them. Well, that's a them. good beginning, all right. <laughs> I, so I ended up. I what mean, was so this? You felt sorry for all the milkmen? Oh, yeah. And so what happened? Well, I couldn't say no, so I ended up with milk from seven different companies. Well, Mona, I have one of the finest lines of milk in California now. What is your home address? In addition to having seven milkmen trying to break your door down, do you have any other problems? My husband, being from Texas, he loves hot biscuits and gravy. And I like to sleep late, so... I don't get up, usually. (laughs) Once in a while, I do. Can't you cook the biscuits on your electric blanket? (laughs) What have you got to say about a girl, a bride, a child bride who is too lazy to get up and fix her husband's biscuits? I I think that the husband is entitled to his biscuits and much more important, uh, that's one of the few times in the day when they can be together and talk over the plans of the day. Breakfast is one of the few times that's available in the ordinary family. You you're, know what you're, you're letting me I think for. he's right. I think the doctor is right. He, my husband is in the audience, and tomorrow I'm going to have to get up. <laughs> doctor's right. What you said about a couple meeting in the morning for breakfast, I think is true. There's nothing that lifts a man's morale like the sight of his wife at seven in the morning. <laughs> when he's, standing, he's sitting at that breakfast table with a half a hangover... <laughs> She comes waltzing in there with a faded kimono and her face plastered with cold cream and her eyes just two slits and one toe sticking out of the end of her slippers. There's nothing that will consolidate a marriage like that so. I'd like to go on talking to you two because this sounds like it could uh, go into a very interesting avenue, but the time has come to play you bet your life. So let's see how much money you can win. You think you have learned anything from this doctor's advice here tonight? Well, I have to see how it works out. Let's see. Will you, uh, will you let me know the following day? Hmm? <laughs> well, I'll try. You can try. tell me when I'm delivering the milk. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, from our list of 20 to 21 categories, you have chosen general information. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And he was a great warrior. And I'm going to ask you some... <laughs> I'll ask you some questions. If you miss two in a row, you're through. If you get four in a row right, you win $1,000. Now, before you answer... Discuss it and answer between you. Mm-hmm. What do you call the paper showing the family tree of a purebred animal? Pedigree chart would be your name for it. Well, you, we'll, you named we'll it. We'll stick that. <laughs> Pedigree is right. Uh, you have one right, three more right, and you'll have your thousand dollars. What is the state flower of Kansas? Sunflower, no question about yeah, that. I know how you know that because you voted there. for Alf oh. Landon. I was born in <laughs> Kansas. Oh. Did you vote for Landon? Naturally. Yeah. You and who else? I don't know anybody else. I think Mrs. Landon did. Okay, the drachma, D-R-A-C-H-M-A, is the monetary unit of what country? You saw it in Greece, don't, don't you, Mr. Don't Young? snarl at me, No, I'm not. I just... 
Are you, if you're going spelling. to look at me, I want you to look at me with admiration, and not with, <laughs> not with nausea on your face. <laughs> but you agree with me, it's Greece. The drachma, that's right. You don't have to go any further. Huh? One more right, and you'll have $1,000. You know, if you win this, he's liable to bring the milk tomorrow morning. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, what island was settled by the bounty mutineers? Pitcairn Island. Pitcairn Island. Right, right. He didn't need you at you all. Got you got four in a row, yeah, so you win $1,000. Well, now, wait a minute. You won $1,000. Uh, you can keep it and quit, or you can come back later and try to double your money. You may even get a chance at 10000 So go over there and sit down and think it over, and if we don't see you later, thanks for being on the show. All right, George, let's find out what our last couple has decided. All right, uh, Mona Young and Dr. Papano, come back in here, please. You're just as pretty as you were 30 minutes ago, uh, Mona. Thank you. Are you still in love with your husband? Yes. In that case, you won't win a quarter. <laughs> You've won $1,000 so far. Now you have a chance to win a lot more, maybe even 10000 Or you can stop right here and keep your 1000 If you decide to try for the big money and fail, you wind up with a total of 500 Now, what are you going to do? We're going to try. You're going to go ahead? Mm -hmm. You're going for the big money. All right. Now get together and pick a number from 1 to 10 and then spin the wheel. If any number besides the one you pick comes up, this question is worth $2,000. If your number comes up, this question is worth $10,000. Mm -hmm. What number do you want? We decided on number one. Well, give it a fling. You picked number one, and it came yeah. up six. Well, you're a long way off. So this question is why $2,000. In Gulliver's Travels, the country of little people was called Lilliput. For $2,000, what was the name of the country where the giants lived? What is it? For Brobdignag. Uh, Brobdignag is right, and that's a tough question. I'm glad you won it. Oh, you deserve it, too. <laughs> well, you won $2,000. What are you going to do with your part of the swag, uh, Mona? Believe it, I'm going home to Mama in Norway. You going to Mama? Yeah, for a little while. Well, by Joe, I'm going with you. <laughs> and what are you going to do with yours? Going to put a second bathroom in the house so when our grandchildren come out, we can take proper care of them. Oh. <laughs> you mean they've never bathed yet? When they were so small, they could go in the kitchen sink. I see. Well, congratulations for being with us. You bet your life. And thanks a million. Sure to tune in again next week, same time, same station, for Groucho Marx in You Bet Your Life. Don't miss the Chrysler Corporation's big TV show on another network. And don't forget Groucho's TV show, also brought to you by the DeSoto Plymouth Dealers of America, who invite you to visit your neighborhood showroom today to see and drive. <laughs> <laughs>
the most exciting car in the world today. DeSoto for 1957. And when you go in, tell them Groucho sent you. So long, folks, and remember... It's the lovely, it's dynamic, it's the Soto. On the eve of National Boys Club Week, DeSoto proudly salutes the Boys Club of America in their important work of building boys into better men. You Bet Your Life, transcribed from Hollywood, is produced by John Goodell, directed by Robert Dwan and Bernie Smith, music by Jack Meekin. This is George Fenneman signing off for the DeSoto Plymouth Dealers of America. You Bet Your Life is heard by our armed forces throughout the world. You Bet Your Life, starring Groucho Marx, with George Fenneman as his announcer assistant from March 30th, 1957. Stick around, I'll give you our lineup for episode 18 of the Classic Radio Theater after this short break. Next time on episode 18 of the Classic Radio Theater, brought to you by the Bradford Exchange, We'll hear two detective episodes of Boston Blackie, so don't miss it. To reach me and to learn more about the Classic Radio Club, visit ClassicRadioClub.com. Be sure to tune in to our next show. Thanks for listening.